You know, I I have this amazing friend and she has the most awesome son and I get to have them on my podcast together. Here's Nicole Biscotti and her son, Jason. They wrote the most amazing book. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Oh, gosh. I am. I mean, Nicole, when you first told me you were going to do this book, I was just jumping for joy. I was so excited. And then when I met Jason, I was like, hey, this is, how old is he? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's so really you have your your amazing mind it's hard to explain it you how do you oh well we're going to get into this we're going to talk about your book but do you want to tell us um just a little bit about you first and then we can jump in yes absolutely this is um a book that i wrote with my son he was nine at the time now he's 10 Um, with his input. And it started out as an idea because we would journal, um, Jason would journal on my phone about different experiences he was having as a way to help him calm himself and to create space between um, anger and upset and action. And then I started to realize we had a narrative here. And um, as we started learning more about ADHD in schools, we realized we were not the only ones struggling and that there was a lot of good points that needed to be shared. And actually, um, I was very intimidated about writing a book. And Barbara, you're one of the reasons that we actually got it out there because when I brought it, um, the idea to your attention and I was you know, talking to you about it, you were so encouraging and um, it really gave me a lot of confidence. So thank you. Well, I think you said you had two books you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And and I said, oh, you can't wait on Jason. I mean, this is it's too important, right? It and 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 also because of his age, he had so much to talk about. This it might change in a few years. Absolutely. And now I do realize that. And sometimes I guess we're too close to our own situation. So thank you very much for being able to to see that and, and caring enough to see that. And you're right as a um, as a child still, he can give us that authenticity, that freshness, that honesty um, from his perspective that that we need to hear as educators. So Jason, why don't you just tell us what the title is? I can learn when I'm moving. Ah, did you come up with that? Half. (laughs) So it was both of you. I mean, you, yeah. It, it is amazing because, and I love the cover. We're going to put the cover of your book up and that's you. It is. No, and he did come up with it because he would always tell me, I can listen when I'm moving. I can learn when I'm moving. <laughs> You're the one who decided to put it there. So. Well, okay. I decided to put it there, but <laughs> those are his words. He would always tell me that, you know, I'm a calm person and I was never diagnosed, but I think I probably have sensory issues. I remember being um, a little girl in New York when I would be in Macy's at Christmas or something, that all of the movement and the decorations and the lights were too much for me, and I would feel upset. And Jason moves a lot, and he's loud a lot. (laughs) So sometimes it can be like a, you know, a thing we have to kind of negotiate together. And he would always say, Mom, I am listening when I'm moving. I am learning when I'm moving. And it's been hard for me to 
now it's a lot easier, but initially it was hard for me to understand that, that he doesn't have to be calm to process. Well, you know, there's probably a lot of kids like that. Actually, I think I was like that and I'm just getting diagnosed now. Wow. Isn't that amazing at my age? If I had only been diagnosed when I was your age, Jason, I wouldn't have had such troubles in school. It's pretty sad that people don't have those diagnoses and have problems. And then they're told, go to the principal or, you know, all those things. So I, when I was reading your book, I just, it just touched my heart. He's smiling. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, um, so that's why you decided to write this book. Is that right, uh, Nicole? Is there any other reason? Well, as I began sharing about what I was learning as a parent and, you know, it was an interesting journey for me as a mother because I'm going through this with my son and trying to learn how to support him and, and sort it all out and figure out what's going on. And then I'm a teacher, so I'm going to school every day. And I always say that I was looking at tall Jasons because I teach oh, high school. Yeah. So I was starting to make the connections like, wow, I am at a loss with my own son. I didn't even realize he had ADHD. It wasn't even on my radar. And I'm a teacher and I'm seeing in the classroom how some students are struggling with ADHD as well. So I think it was like a really intense journey for me also because I started to realize, number one, I'm not the only parent that's struggling with this. And as I was started to share on social media, parents would reach out to me. And that's been some of the most amazing, like kind of the most amazing part of this so far is the community that I've developed with other parents. And then as I'm investigating and doing research about how we can better support kids in classrooms, you know, sometimes coming from what do I say at this next meeting? And sometimes coming from what do I, how do I help this student in front of me? I started to realize what a gap we have in education mm -hmm. in this area. You know, we moved into inclusion legally in the seventies. Um, practically, we're still moving into inclusion some places, but we, inclusion has a lot of strengths and a lot of possibilities, but I don't feel that we've kept up with teacher training so Jason, what about you? What did you feel funny about? I mean, what did it feel like when your mom said you wanted she wanted to write a book with you? I was like, wow, this might be a big step in life. <laughs> Why did you want to do it? Well, when we would like journal and all that, it would help me release my anger in a way. And mm -hmm. it, and I wanted to write the book to like help share my story. You know, I love that just for people who haven't had your book yet and they better get it. We're going to make sure people get it. I love that you open up every chapter with a story. I mean, is there one story that you wanted to start with? Cause we're going to go into some more things, but can you just share maybe an experience? One thing that really got you angry or. Hmm. What makes you feel angry at school sometimes? Um, sometimes when um, I, I'm moving around and basically the teacher says, you can't do that, that's not allowed. And like starts reading the rules to me. You know, it, 
Doesn't that get you mad? I mean, I just, because I, I was like that. They used to tell me to sit down, sit down. Okay, go to the principal's office. You're not. And I just wonder if some of the print teachers, if they hear this, they know that there are kids that need to stand up and move around. Why don't they have an area in the class that you could just do that? Do you have that now? I mean, well, I should probably not even ask that. Have you had that in the past where you have some places where you can pace? Um. We used to do like a tape box, like basically they'll like put tape on the floor in the size of a box. And I knew like nobody could, nobody else could go in there except me and the teacher. And I was allowed to move in that space and like walk around in that space, anything. How big was the box? I'm just. (laughs) Well, it was like. I don't know in like measurement, but it was pretty big to me. So. Oh, good. Oh, good. That is weird, though. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the box. I objected. Yeah, she first thought like it was a cage. Like, what are you going to do? Put him in a cage next? <laughs> I felt like they were really marking him. <laughs> I don't like it either. I have to tell you something funny. Do you know that if you put masking tape on the floor and you have a cat, your cat will go in it? They think it's a box. Oh, how funny. I didn't know that. So I wonder, <laughs> maybe that teachers had a cat and thought that would be good for you. Or but, see, but interestingly, and this is where I've had to, you know, really have an open minded, open heart. Jason has requested that um, at, another, at other meetings. He likes it. Ah, <laughs> what did it, it gave you a feeling like this is your space? Is that what it was? I own this space. Like nobody else could come in here. This is my move around and my space to do me. So did you ask when you got angry, uh, Nicole, about this? uh, Did you ask Jason about it? I mean, did he tell you that? No, it actually happened in a meeting. Do you remember that? We were at a a long long table meeting. We've had like literally 500 of those. But anyways, we were at a meeting and they said something. I said, you know, I don't think that my son needs a box around him. You know. (laughs) I was really kind of huffy about that. Like, what are we going to mark him next? You know? And he looked and I could see that he was kind of wanting to say something. And, and I, I prompted him and he said, I, I like the box. <laughs> oh, that is so great. You know, I mean, when the idea of, um, wouldn't that be something if everybody had their box and, and they could all walk around in their box? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I guess the, the premise of the box is that it's giving him permission to move. Yes. Yes. It just seems like, you know, I've done a lot on personalized learning and it seems like everybody's unique. And I found that I, I I actually did some professional development where this one lady had to walk around the whole time when I was doing things. And I thought, Oh, that's just like Jason. (laughs) And maybe if we could just recognize we're all different and we need it different ways, it would be wonderful. Wow. So, you know, that you said about releases your anger. Is that the box helped you? Was there anything else that helped you? You know, you said the book is helping you, but is there anything else? When you're really angry in your class, what do you normally want? Easy. 
either go to the water fountain to get some water because just the walk there is cool and the water is refreshing. Or ask to walk around campus for like two minutes. Do they let you do that? Mm -hmm. Walk around the campus? Yeah, like, um, there was like this aisle at my old school and I would ask like, can I walk around the aisle? And then, yeah, and then like for two minutes and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And when you <laughs> come back, you feel a lot better? Mm -hmm. so I feel like we got some exercise in now ready to learn. Because you were, well, just like your title, you learn when you move. So if you are learning, I mean, you know, moving around, you can come back and now you feel refreshed, right? Wow, why don't we ask all the kids that? <laughs> well, and that reminds me of something. I know that um, as teachers, they instruct us to give children time to process. So when we ask a question in the classroom, a great practice is to say, I'm going to give you all 30 seconds to process and then begin to call on people so that everybody has ample time to really process. There's not this race to raise your hand or anything. And I guess if people like Jason process when they're moving, it's almost like that same space. So what if they did something where, okay, I'm going to ask a question and I want you to get up and shake and now come back. And now let's, I mean, just something that you can move around and, would that be a good idea, Jason? Yeah, I feel like that would be a good idea. Yeah, I mean, what? I mean, if we come up with some ideas, I always say, ask the kids. What helps you learn? And and Jason's helping me. I, you know, some of the things that I read in the book. If only we listened and heard you more, it would help all of us, right? I think anyway. Maybe you know what I'm going to ask. Um, Nicole, if you can kind of just describe or a definition of ADHD, just for some people again, just that might not really understand it. Of course. So ADHD is um, recognized as a neurological disorder. It is um, considered a disability. It, um, Jason simply stated his, his brain is wired differently. Let's just put it that way. Um, if you look at the brain scan of a neurotypical person and a, and a neurodiverse person, there's differences. Um, mm -hmm. And in the book, I do refer to it as a condition and a disorder for two reasons. Um, briefly, just number one, that it's invisible. So that people don't necessarily realize when they look at Jason that his behavior is a result of a neurological condition, but rather tend to assume that it's just being bad uh, or misconduct. And then the second reason is that as educators and as parents to a certain extent, when we understand that something is a recognized condition or disability, and I cringe at that word, but when we recognize that, we understand that it needs support, not punishment. But if we take the conversation of ADHD out of that school accommodation context, which is where I live most of the time, and so important to me, and just look at ADHDers for who they are, they're some of the most brilliant people in history. Mm -hmm. um, they're absolutely brilliant. Their brains just work differently than ours do. Yes, in fact, I was going to ask you about one. Uh, where is it? Because I'm into, um, I love creativity. I really, I saw you held up something you did on Pilgrim's. 
Remember that you did that. And I just realized that with so detailed and all the things you wrote and I, I wonder if that's all in there in your head and you just, they don't give you enough time to do it is. That's very interesting. He said that to me the other night. Remember Jason, he, in his free time likes to do research and he likes to consume facts. He loves facts. And he told me, and if I'm saying this wrong, please, please correct me. But what I remember of what he said was, I like when people let me have a lot of facts and information, and then I can figure out how it goes together. Ah, so tell me more, Jason. I think I'll say more like, I like when I hear facts, because sometimes I can even connect them. Do you do, when you do research, is it easier just to do it online or do you take, have, do you have to go to the library and get some books or how do you get the facts? Online. Online. So you feel comfortable doing that? Yeah. Wow. You know, I mean, it's just imagine, I'm just thinking, because you wrote about Einstein and Leonardo da Vinci and Thomas Edison and all of them. Who, I, I don't know if you found that they did have ADHD, but they were different. And the way they, you know, they were treated in school, they were treated differently, too. And Eileen Winokur mentioned something recently that reminded me of a concept. She was talking about looking at asset-based thinking rather than deficit-based thinking. Mm -hmm. And if we could at some point, and it's, it's a battle and it's a struggle, but move from trying to always be punitive with our ADHDers and force them into compliance and really look at them for who they are and how they think and begin to understand how to teach to that, we don't even know what the potential is because a 10 year old that's saying that I like to consume information and make connections. That's, you know, that reminds me of 21st century skills and critical (laughs) thinking that we're supposed to be right. Moving towards. Well, it just seems to me that we've been talking about, you know, really under information literacy for a long time. And I love Eileen, by the way. So I'm glad that she said that. Um, And, and she had you on her show, right? Yes, yes. Yes. She's oh, she's amazing. So that idea of looking at assets and and there's a book um, Brandon Becker did, Unlocking Potential, um, you know, Limitless Potential. That means changing school, right? So, Jason, where do you see you could, we could do something different in school for you or for you know, when you're thinking other than getting the facts, is there more time or? What would help you learn better at school? Oh, I like hands-on projects and videos and stuff like that. uh, Videos to watch or videos to create? Both, actually. Both are fun, yeah. Wow. So you, you get a chance to create videos. I can't wait to watch them. <laughs> Do you have something you're, you're researching right now? Not specifically. 
several things. What do you read? What do you specifically? But anything that you would like to, how's that? Is there anything that you're interested in? You just told me about a bunch of stuff you were researching the other day. I don't remember. You know, can I tell her? Yeah, sure, because I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about medieval torture devices. Ah! <laughs> he was interested in that. Yeah, yeah. He was interested in war. He's been very interested in politics. Really? He's been very interested in why it doesn't rain in Yuma. Um, what else? I, I don't know. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. That's lately what's been on his little mind. His ah. quiet mind. I <laughs> shouldn't say that. Well, all of those are interesting. Starting out with medieval torture was just one I didn't even think you would be thinking about. <laughs> I didn't either, Barbara. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. Why not? Why, Jason, why not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why would they even have it that way? And you know, and what did they look like? And why did they do it? And who were the people? I mean, there's so many questions you could ask, right? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So the problem we have is the curriculum is kind of fixed. And it doesn't let you explore some of these things. Yeah. Can you do some things like this at home? I mean, on your own? Yeah. So which one are you going to start with? <laughs> I think he does them all concurrently, really. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, do them all, whichever. Yeah, I could just see him doing, uh, you know, his own blog and his own video show. And yeah, he could do almost anything. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, what would you like a you know, other than, you know, because you're at school and, and I know that some teachers don't get it yet, but is there something that maybe you can tell teachers out there other than making a box for you? Is there anything else that you'd like to tell teachers that you'd like? Fidget toys or anything to fidget with for that matter. You know, some people don't like those. Some teachers don't like those, but when you use it, what does it do for you? I I can move my hands. So basically, you know how I like moving? I also like moving my hands. So when I'm fidgeting with something, that kind of helps me. Wow. Oh, I'm, I'm in a course right now to learn about some things. And they had us do something really interesting. They had us take our fingers together and go and rub them really close so you can feel the fingerprints until you can feel each one. Can you do it? Yeah, I'm doing it right now. Just, Isn't that weird? Because sometimes yeah, I cannot you, feel it. it's like I never thought of that. So it's part of a meditation thing, but I do it and it quiets my brain. Yeah, this is interesting. So if you don't have a fidget, you can just play with your own finger print. <laughs> Isn't that fun? I just thought yeah, that was fun. Yeah, you never know what you can do with your own body. It's so amazing. Yeah. Um, boy, I just want to go into some more things. But I, when I read your book, I see your book helping a lot of teachers. 
uh, Nicole, I, I, is there, I see you, you know, when you wrote this, you came up, you know, it started every chapter with uh, Jason sharing experience. And then you explained what it was from your point of view, but there were some other things that you mentioned for teachers. Do you want to share maybe one or two? Sure. And thank you. Um, I'm hoping that this book will help teachers to address children with ADHD with the correct lens. And of course there is no right and wrong, but there, there is a sense of being accurate about approaching a condition um, with understanding of what it is and what are the um, constraints that Jason's working within. So I'm hoping that number one, we can really um, have people approaching the ADHDers with a better understanding of what it is and what it isn't. And then one of the big things that I um, worked on in my book was I know that IEP and 504 accommodations are important and they're a legally protected right. But when we have caseloads of our student rosters of over 150, it is hard to keep track of those. Mm. Um, so, you know, in all reality, and I believe that there are a lot of, I began to research and, and there's a lot of whole class accommodations or best practices that we can use that address the needs of children that are exceptional learners, but are also best practice for everybody. Mm -hmm. So if we kind of flip it from, I have a list of seven things I need to do for this child and three things from this child and stop looking at our ADHDers or our exceptional learners as outliers, but rather use them as a bar to reach for everybody. Um, we can really be very effective as teachers. And because we're proactively addressing their needs, we will see a lot less behavior issues, academic issues, et cetera. And I was really, I'm still can't quite believe all the people, um, yourself included, that were willing to write from their expertise different strategies to do that. Um, because I could have never put all that together. So I was, you know, I, I sent these messages to people like, well, would you please maybe consider? And I, you know, the outpouring of, of love and generosity with people sharing their, their strategies was really touching. Well, it was an honor to be included. I mean, but uh, I read some of the, you got the right people. Everyone was just amazed and, and really they felt honored to be, you know, in a book with Jason. Because he's, I have to say, you're really a great writer. I, Jason, I was really impressed how you expressed your thoughts, your ideas. And I hope people read this with the idea, maybe we need to do this more. Have kids come in and tell. You know, I, I asked you already the best way to learn. I asked you all these things already. But Jason, what is your hope for this book? I mean, are you hoping that other kids might read it or parents? I hope other kids might read it and teachers and parents, yeah. Do you, do you think that um, parents, because I know as a parent myself, and I'm a grandparent, I've been around, but I can tell you what I see is that um, so many of us really don't understand what's going on in our minds. Like you said, it's an invisible disease. We don't know unless someone tells us. 
and you told us. Was there any other experience that, that kind of stood out that you'd like to share? Sometimes you talk to me a lot about how teachers look at you as being bad. Do you want to talk about that or is there something else that? I don't know. That's okay. You know, I'm watching you and I'm wondering, would you have felt better if you didn't have that chair and you could stand up and move around? I like the chair because while I'm in this chair, I'm you don't see it, but out of the camera, I'm like moving around with my hands and I'm like going like this and stuff. <laughs> so you would it, would it upset you if you were doing that in a class and a teacher told you to stop? Yeah. Me concentrate. Well, that's the thing. How can we tell teachers that maybe in a kid is fidgety and they're moving their hands is okay? How do we how do we get that across? That's a tough one when you're seven or eight, right? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe this book, if they read the book and and watch this video and talk, you know, like I mean, you know, watch different videos about things and listen to the stories, it'll help. Well, I I love your book. We're, can you tell us how people can get their own copy? Yes, thank you. We're on. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. Um, there's a Bitly. It's um, Bitly dash. Excuse, excuse me. Slash. I can learn when I move. Okay. And that will take you to the Amazon link, or there's a link on my website, NicoleBiscotti.com. Well, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a blog post that goes with this because you you answered some of the questions already. And if uh, Jason has any more he would like to answer, that would be great. But um, we'll put those links in. We'll put a picture of the book. Is there anything else you want to share? I really personally just want to thank teachers um, for being willing to read a book like this. I know that especially this year, teachers are very taxed. We're busy, we're crazy busy. Mm -hmm. And I just appreciate that, even though sometimes we may not understand how um, ADHDers are thinking or, or how they need to learn, the willingness to even to read it and to try to understand it is touching. And also, um, we're all learning together. Mm -hmm. So please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on, um, IG as well. And I'm happy to brainstorm with you. Um, I can run it by Jason if you want <laughs> a kid's perspective. But I really just hope to continue this conversation um, around how we can do better for our ADHD years. Well, I just am so impressed with Jason and and I just love it that you had this time with me. Is there anything you want to tell the people that are going to read your book? Thank you for reading it. <laughs> Do you want them? I mean, the main thing is it would be kind of fun if there were any kids reading it. Would they be able to get a hold of them, you know, to you through your mom or something? Or because it would be kind of fun to know if there's other kids that are having the same issues. Yeah, that would be fun. It would be neat because I know that as an adult that I may, you know, I've had maybe just diagnosed. <laughs> uh, 
not diagnosed yet, you barely understand yourself. Like, why am I acting this way? You start questioning yourself. Yeah. I'm not ready to go yet. I want to ask these. <laughs> what kind of questions should I ask myself? Hard to think, huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. How did being diagnosed help you understand yourself? Because at first when I wasn't diagnosed, um, I just looked like the bad kid to everyone. So when I looked like the bad kid, then I started questioning myself, like, why am I moving around? I'm supposed to be sitting down. Everyone else can do it. Why can't I? Um, and, like, why am I so hyper? And why do I get in more, in more trouble? But... When I was diagnosed, it kind of like all added up. It all pieced together, if that makes sense. That sure makes sense. That, how early, how young were you when you started questioning yourself? I really don't remember. Around five, like kindergarten? Something like that. Yeah, because you had some experiences in kindergarten properly. Yeah. Preschool. Preschool. Wow. That's would- tough. Five to seven incident reports most days. Oh, man. That's, see, the thing is, is if, if teachers could hear this, maybe they wouldn't be the incident reports if they knew that maybe we need to figure out why this, why this kid is moving around and asking questions or doing some things that are bad. And, and, and that's like really been one of the greatest ironies for me in all of this is that Jason is such a curious child and he's really good hearted and he's um, he definitely means well, but yet he doesn't do well in school generally and he's in trouble a lot. So it's, it's really um, a very sad irony for me because it's not like I could say he doesn't want to do well or he's not interested. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, a, I'm just going to tell you, Jason, I was told I would never make it. I was told that I couldn't read very well and I loved to read. I was told that I would never make it into college. Guess what? I showed them. You know what I mean? It's like you can do whatever, whatever. It's just, we got to, if only we could change the system, we could help teachers understand. Um, you're doing such a wonderful service for teachers right now. But I think parents also need to know because sometimes they go, what's wrong with my kid? Right? Like you did, you didn't understand. And and you go back and forth, at least I did between, I need to be stricter. He's, you know, I'm being too permissive as a parent. Is and it my parenting? Or- yeah. You know, oh, what am I doing? I mean, I used to talk, you know, here I am with four-year-old Jason. Would you please just be good? Please, please, Jason. I have a meeting today. I can't leave early. (laughs) And we're laughing about it now, thank goodness. But looking back, I mean, what was I saying to him? You know, please do something that you're obviously not able to do. Because like I was desperate. But once you start to understand like he said with the diagnosis, you, you start to look at things from a different lens. And that's the lens that I'm just hoping that more people can view this through. Oh, my gosh. Well, I am so grateful 
And when I started reading, you know, you let me review it in the beginning and when you were writing it and I saw what Jason was writing, I was crying. I was crying because I could feel him. I could tell, you know, the angst and that, you know, come on, my brain, can't you see it? It's here, you know, and can't you see that I'm smart? Can't you see that I want to learn? And I, I felt like that. And I know there's a lot of people that felt like that. So I, I just want to thank you both. This is amazing. Thank you. There are a lot of children like this and, or, you know, not exactly like this, but with similar challenges. And we just have to figure out a way to do better for them. Oh, well, I, like I said, wait, we're going to make a blog post that goes with this <laughs> and share it out. And um, I just am amazed. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Keep smiling. Keep fidgeting. <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now, love.